Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. about our nation. I'm going to talk to you about our nation in honor of July 4th. I sit and watch fireworks last night and shouted. That mean more to me today than they did last year. I said they mean more to me today than they did last year. I want to talk to you this morning about the foundation of freedom. The foundation of freedom, particularly our freedom in this country and our freedom in the Lord. I want to direct your attention to the book of Proverbs. You know this verse, should be able to quote it, but I want to, I want to bring it to your attention this morning. <clears throat> Proverbs 14, 34. Righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Praise God. Can you say that with me? Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. I was being deliberate in my pause because this young man was looking it up in his Bible and I wanted him to find it. Amen. I'm proud of you, Jace. Look it up in the Bible. Amen. Praise God. Heavenly Father, we come to you today. We pray, Lord Jesus, for your divine assistance. <laughs> in a time where there's such craziness around us. Lord, your word says to rejoice, to rejoice. That doesn't make sense to a fear-stricken society. But Lord, today we claim that privilege. For the word says the joy of the Lord is my strength. Somebody watching right now, God, that is under such pressure. God, let the joy of the Lord come upon them and realize that that's their strength. To those that are here today, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Well, we praise you today. We praise you today. Amen. The Lord bless you. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. I want to begin by saying today, I love my country. Amen. I'm proud to be an American, even in the climate of our age. I was contemplating the freedom of America and what it means and what America freedom looks like. And America freedom is freedom to worship or not to worship where we choose, when we choose, and how we choose. The freedom is to be granted for everyone to pursue uh, a religious experience and then every citizen to have that practice and right. Not just simply to worship. It's not the freedom of worship. It is called the freedom of religion for a purpose because that covers the practice of religion. All aspects. America's freedom has freedom, it looks like, a freedom to per, the pursuit of happiness based on the freedom to work. I'm going to let that sink in just for a minute. 
The freedom is the pursuit of happiness based on the freedom to work or not to work. But the consequences is yours. We have the freedom to succeed or to fail. It is the freedom to use our brains. Some are not. It is the freedom to use our energies and perseverance to produce things, to produce fruit, to produce wealth, to produce jobs, to produce security. America is a freedom to be ourselves and let others be themselves with everyone being a responsible, productive part of society. That's the freedom that I come to understand of America. Ben Franklin said, the Constitution only gives people the right to pursue happiness. You have to catch it yourself. Unquote. America is freedom. Freedom to exercise our power at the polls. To vote for the candidate of our choice. May I pause here and just simply say, would to God that the church would vote spiritual, Amen. not political. Amen. Mm. To remind our officials that they are elected and they serve our land and not rule and oppress our land. America's freedom is freedom to speak our minds without fear of reprisal. Freedom to express our thoughts as readily to our legislatures as to our families. That's what I see as American freedom. Freedom to express our opinions confidently without being attacked. Mm. America's freedom is freedom to shoulder responsibility, to contribute to worthy causes, to be a good neighbor and a caring citizen. American freedom is freedom to enjoy, conserve, and improve the best and greatest country on God's green earth, the United States of America. Let somebody say amen. amen. Today, those freedoms, as I have expressed to you, and there are many others that we could express, but those freedoms are being maligned, attacked, and outright destroyed. Why? Righteousness exalted the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Do you realize today that in the Revolutionary War, it was from the pulpits that freedom was preached? It was from the pulpits that freedom was proclaimed. It was from the pulpits before our Civil War that the preachers were preaching about freedom from slavery. Amen. I would to God that there would be a fire that would light again our pulpits that would proclaim more than just political correctness, but would proclaim that there is a God and we serve him and that righteousness exalts a nation. Some years ago, Richard DeVos, co-founder of Amway Corporation, made a comparison of America and what was then the Soviet Union. He said, that America would have to do this to equal Russia. Again, this is several years ago, but he said we would have to rip up 13 of every 14 miles of our paved highways. We'd have to scrap 19 of every 20 cars and trucks and destroy over 2,000 colleges. We'd have to destroy seven out of every 10 single family house and cut our living standards by two thirds. Any takers, he asked? Any takers? America is the land of the plenty 
and the land of the free because of its concepts from its very beginning and its origin. Because from the very beginning, our founders understood these things, even all the way back to those we call pilgrims made their way to Plymouth Rock on a, on a boat called the Mayflower. Just as they landed, they joined together what is called and compiled the Mayflower Compact in 16 and 20. These are the words or some of the words of the Mayflower Compact. They said, quote, in the name of God, amen, having undertaken for the glory of God and for the advancement of the Christian faith, do solemnly and mutually in the presence of God covenant and combine ourselves together. My friends, my brothers and sisters and fellow Americans, that was the, the, the genesis of our beginning of our nation. Those settlers wrote, we came here to the glory of God and for the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It wasn't just that they came to run away from a religious persecution. They came to find a soul to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to. I know that may not be taught very, very much in our public schools today, but it's the truth. I'm, I'm going to slide over here. I, I don't know if I, am I still in the camera frame? Am I? Okay. I'm sliding over here because this is not part of my message. They want to rewrite history so they can take God's impression out of it. Back to my message. Praise the Lord. Y'all hanging with me today? It's going to be a little different today, but hang with me just for a little bit. In 1643, just about 23 years later, as more and more people came to the shores in New England, they formed a confederation called the New England Confederation. This was the first written constitution of groups meeting together in 1643. The New England Confederation Constitution began, quote, whereas we, are, we all came into these parts with one and the same end and aim, namely to advance the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ and to enjoy the liberties of the gospel in purity and peace, unquote. That's the genesis of our nation. America was founded by men and women who acknowledged God's supreme rule over our lives. They were looking for his righteousness to exalt this nation and their gathering. They weren't perfect people. They weren't even all fundamentalist Christians, but they all, to a man, acknowledged that God was the supreme ruler over man and over their government. The nation that we currently reside in was founded on Christian principles. Patrick Henry said, it cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not but religionists, not by religionists, but by Christians, not on religion, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please listen to me, young folks. You need to hear what I'm saying today. George Washington said in his farewell address to the nation, do not let anyone claim tribute of American patriotism if they even attempt to remove religion from politics. Man, that would go over like high heel tennis shoes today, wouldn't it? 
Thomas Jefferson, in whom I greatly disagree with his religion and his thoughts of God, but he made this statement. He said the First Amendment was created, has created a wall of separation between church and state. But that wall is one directional wall. It keeps the government from running the church, but it makes sure the Christian principles stay in government. Hmm. Thomas Jefferson. John Adams. He said this. We have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions unbridled by morality and religion. Our constitution, he said, was made for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to govern any other kind. Moral and religious people. Mama. Amen. So you can see that despite the modern world today and the education and politicians, uh, the contemporary media and the, the history revisionist of our day, the original Americas were founded upon a nation that was the concept of not just worshiping any God, but worshiping Jesus Christ as Lord and pursuing and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know the story. We just celebrated yesterday. The, uh, the, the, the fireworks were going off. And you know the story of the, the declaration. But let me just remind you a little bit of it. Early in the summer of 1776, at a meeting of the Continental Congress in July 2nd, 1776, the colonies voted to announce and declare they would accept nothing less than absolute freedom from England. Two days later, on July 4th, after making some minor adjustments to the text, the final wording was ratified and signed by 56 members representing the 13 colonies. John Adams, who was a member of the drafting committee, was so excited with the vote on July 2nd, he wrote this to his wife back home in Massachusetts saying, the 2nd of July... 1776 will be the most memorable day in the history of America. I believe it will be celebrated by succeeding generations. As the great anniversary festival which shows games, sports, balls, bonfires, and illumination from one end of the country to the other from this time forward and forever. Except for the missing of the date, today we do that, amen, and we must continue to do that. What are we celebrating? Not just our nation, but we're celebrating the concept that righteousness exalts a nation. Do you believe that the 200 plus years of our nation's history is an accident? No, it is that the, the America has been known as the missionary sending central of the world for many years. But now they're wanting to send from other countries and aren't sending from other countries missionaries to America. Y'all riding with me today? You, do, you okay? All right. Most of us are familiar with the prologue that says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights that among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. They acknowledge Listen to this. They acknowledge their rights. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness came not from man, but from God. It does not come from human government. It comes from God. And they acknowledge it that that's why they said on the next line, 
and to secure or protect these rights. Governments are instituted among men. It is the mission of our government from its outset to make sure that they are sustaining the God-given rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What they were saying is that we want a form of government whose job it is is to protect what the Creator created. As you read the Declaration of Independence, you will discover what follows the prologue are about 15 to 16 charges against King George and a Britain. But as they come to the final closing thought, they make two more references to God. Quote, We therefore, the representatives of the United States of America in general Congress, assemble, appealing to the Supreme Judge, capitalized, Supreme Judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions. They also said, We're appealing to you, England, declaring our independence. But we are also appealing mainly to the supreme judge of the world, God himself. And then the very last line of the Declaration of Independence is this. Quote, and for the support of this declaration with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence. Divine here means God. Providence means God's plan. Amen. We mutually give their lives, they said, our fortunes and our sacred oath and honor to sign this. They signed their death warrant. Amen. I want to tell you today, I don't believe that we are to pick up arms, but I think we need to go to war on our knees. It's not about protesting and tearing things up and waving banners. It is about going to our knees. Amen. For it is in our knees that revival will return to America again. Their bold declaration led into much debate and discussion about the Constitution. The first Constitution, the delegates were gathered and they were frustrated due to the burdens of the hour. They were fragmented over certain concepts of the Constitution. Now, Ben Franklin is not the epitome of righteousness. But this old white-haired man by the name of Ben Franklin rose to his feet and said this, Gentlemen, if it is true that not one single petal from any flower falls to the ground without escaping God's attention, will the distress of this nation go unheeded? Let us therefore determine to seek his face. Let us determine, would to God that some of those immoral folks that are standing in their positions today, regardless of their, their character and their background, would say that so that somebody would fall on their face and begin to seek God. Old Ben wasn't perfect, but he was right. I said he was right. Amen. They probably got down on their knees, and when they arose from prayer, the slogan, one out of many, Umas Plumas Umer, or however you say that, was born. One out of many. John Quincy Adams, who would become president, said later in 1821 about the Declaration. He said, from the time of the Declaration of Independence, the American people were bound by the laws of God and the laws of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which they all acknowledge as the root 
of their conduct. They all came together to obey the word of God. Amen. That kind of statement would, 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 would shock uh, people if said today. They would be declared to be uh, messing with church and state. But that's where we came from. That's the people that wrote what we value today. These men paid a price. Our American forefathers, what we celebrated yesterday, over 10,000 people died because of this war. 10,000 people died. An additional 6,500 died in prison after they were captured. And 1,400 had never known what happened to them. Of the 56 men that signed the Declaration of Independence, 12 had their homes ransacked and burned. Two lost their sons of the Revolutionary Army. Another two sons were captured. Nine of the 56 fought and died from wounds out of the hardships of war. Braxton, uh, uh, Carter Braxton of Virginia, a wealthy planter and trader, saw his ships sunk by the British Navy. He sold his home and properties to pay his debts and died in poverty. Amen. What are we willing to give up? To have revival in our day. What are we willing to say? We need another great awakening in our, our America today. What are we willing to pray? And what price are we willing to pay? To say, I refuse to step by and stand by. Amen. I'm not, I'm not about posting mad stuff on Facebook and fighting people on Facebook and, and Twitter. You're you're twiddling your thumbs. But I'm going to tell you how you can do it. You can lay down before God and say, Oh God, bring revival to America again. Oh God, bring revival to America again. Let it start in me. Let me say no to sin. Let me say yes to your righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you. Amen. Let the pulpits of America stand say righteousness again righteousness again repentance again repentance again I am not trying just to stir you up and, and pull on your patriotic strings today I want to call us to the understanding of true freedom comes from Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ nothing else has ever worked Now's the time to make a bold declaration that comfort is not our number one goal. I don't want to rip anybody's philosophy. Safety is not our number one goal. Our number one goal today is obeying God and following him. Somebody say amen. Freedom. What is its foundation? I've said this about America, but when you look at the history of America, it is mind-blowing what God has done. They paid a high price. They did some great things. But let's talk about righteousness as it exalts a nation. Let's talk about this. From 1730 to about 1740, there was known as the first great awakening that happened in both England and the colonies. You may have heard of Jonathan Edwards. Maybe you have heard of his sermon he preached 
sinners in the hands of an angry God. Anybody ever heard of that? Sinners in the hands of an angry God. Go Google it. I challenge you kids, go Google it and read it. Jonathan Edwards preached this from his pulpit. And they say that he was so blind, he could not see that he had to hold his notes right in front of his face, just a few inches from his face. And as he read and preached his message, sinners in the hands of an angry God, people fell over themselves, falling to an altar to begin to repent and call upon God. Call upon God. Repentance. Repentance. There were others that were involved in this in England and, and America's John Wesley and his brother Charles and George Whitfield in America was very instrumental for this great awakening. Whitfield is the one who preached, built orphanage in Savannah, still operated today. He preached, they said, to nearly a million people throughout the colonies in that time. Through the local teachings of Edwards and Whitfield, there was a revival that shook our nation, that shook our universities, our major universities now that are secular temples at one time were designed to be gospel promulgating schools in the first awakening. History calls it that, but that also calls there is a second great awakening from 1820 to 1850 that happened again throughout America and parts of England. The moral fabric of society at that time had, was torn into shreds. Sin was rampant. Misplaced affections of people. The desire to usher in the second coming of Jesus by, by those that were seeking him became the impetus of concern. They began to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Men like Charles Finney offers a fiery message at that time of repentance in big, huge tents with thousands gathered, constructed for meetings lasting weeks and weeks. He institutes the crying bench, the crying bench, where he invites those to come renew or profess their faith in Christ, amen, to come front for public commitment. The awakening theology is clear. Jesus calls everyone and anyone, come to him, come to him. And that shook our nation, the second great awakening. There was known as the third great awakening from 1875 to 1885, primarily located in Chicago. The Civil War ends in 1865 and the great Chicago fire in 1871. The vulnerability of humanity was clear. And that is the backdrop for the opportunity for people to see Christ. Can I stop here? Coronavirus, crazy social situation should not be looked upon as something that, that is something that is going to bring us just down to destruction, but it ought to be looked upon as a prime time for revival, a prime time for the church to pray, a prime time for the church to get its act together, a prime time for the church to begin to reach and evangelize. They want us to shut up about Jesus Christ. They want us to shut up about all the things of Christ. I say let's be like the apostles and preach more in the name of Jesus. Baptize in the name of Jesus. Declare the name of Jesus. Oh, I would to God that revival would begin in Medora. I would to God that it would begin in us. May we be a catalyst. 
great awakening destroys a callous church and ushers in revival. The appeal is simple. Jesus wants you to come because he's coming back soon. The Azusa Street Revival from 1906 to 1915 in Los Angeles on 3212 Azusa Street. You know that story a little better. It's getting closer home, isn't it? What happens on Azusa Street sparks what we know today as the Pentecostal movement. It is built on the holiness movement, which focuses on sanctification, being noticeably separate from the habits of the world, and is a repercussion of the Second Great Awakening. On April 9, 1906, the Spirit of God falls on several people, and they begin to speak with other tongues. Just eight years later, revival falls in a little town called Medora. How about this generation? Are we just going to slide by and say, well, it never happened. We'll just reside. This is, we resign to this. We're just going to give in. Or we will say, not on my watch. I don't want the future to be written about MPC or this pastor to say they had their chance and they missed it. But, oh, God, get us back to the book. Get us back to the cause. Our cause is evangelism. Our cause is to win the lost. Amen. Because there is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. There is a redemption. If you're watching and you've never repented of your sins, right now is the time. If you're here today and you've never repented of your sins, right now is the time. Amen. If you've never been buried in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, right now is a good time. Amen. If you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, this is your day. I believe it was John Wesley that had a man that went before him to the places that John Wesley would go. If I've got my facts straight, I may be wrong. But I think it was John Wesley that had a man that went before him two weeks ahead of time and would fast and pray before he ever showed up. His name is forgotten. But he's the reason. Among us today are some mighty prayer warriors and your name may never be known except in heaven. When you get a hold of God and you call down the fire of glory upon your family and upon your household and you say enough with just being pushed around by the devil and tormenting my mind. Enough with the spirit of fear coming at me every single day. And I say, I'm going to pray until there's a difference. I'm going to pray until the Holy Ghost falls. I don't just need a shout anymore. I need revival. We need a we need a revival in this generation. It's the only answer. It's the only answer. It's the only answer. Hallelujah. 
spotted all around this country. It's churches. They're at this very juncture. Are we going to be lulled to sleep and just simply want to be whisked out of here, raptured? Or do we want to say freedom matters? But freedom without righteousness is anarchy. Let me say it again. Freedom without righteousness and responsibility is anarchy. Just watch the news. It's anarchy. Amen. The answer to racism is revival. Let me read to you what happened in Azusa Street. You will find that the revival helps integrate the church. They become more harmonious, unified community. Gathering together, rich and poor, black and white, male and female. Humanism is beginning to take root in society that, that begins to glorify the concept of a superhuman the Azusa Street Revival subsequent Pentecost movement brought back into focus the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the unique place of the church as God's institution in the world to do his bidding. And from that moment, I realize that there have been organizations that have fractured and, and there are some things that come out of it that fell into false doctrine but by and large, thank God for those that still hold true to the fact that there is a Holy Ghost. There is a Spirit of God and a baptism of the Holy Spirit that comes upon us with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. Brother Jerry, I don't want to misquote you, but I believe it was in your garage that you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Is that right? That's right. It's in your garage. Not in an altar at a church. Amen. But in your garage. Where are you going to get the Holy Ghost? Where are you going to let the power of God change you? Amen. It's not our flesh. It's not our ingenuity. It's not politics. It will be the Holy Ghost. Carmen wrote a song years ago. And I echo his title. We need God in America again. We need God in America again. Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach. Amen. Sin is a reproach. Sin is a reproach. Amen. 43 people are murdered every day in America. 1.2 million violent crimes are reported in, in, in one year. 30 uh, 385 mass shootings in 2016 alone. 23 million people currently jailed in America. But can I stop here and give you a side note? That while they were able to, I don't know at, at, at the number right now, but it was well over 500 that, that these princes within conferences have gone into to ladies' prisons and then men of honor have gone into men's prisons and hundreds of them, hundreds of them have fallen under the conviction of God and received the Holy Ghost. A Muslim man was standing next to, to someone that received the Holy Ghost and he said, there's nothing to this. I don't want this. All of a sudden, the power of God hit him and he fell to his knees speaking in tongues and that Muslim man was baptized in the name of Jesus. Jesus Christ. Jesus. 
These are old statistics, but let me share it with you. 121 people every day commit suicide in America. 121 every day. 1.1 million attempted yearly. Drugs is out of control. 24.6 million use illicit drugs in one month age 12 and older. 144 die every day of a drug overdose. This is from the pits of hell. Stop fighting the people and fight the Satan behind it. Fight the devil behind it. You say, oh, that's just a bunch of baloney. How many remember Brother Tim Cooley? He and his family attended here. In one year, he spent $60,000 on cocaine. One year. His life was messed up, and he was headed both to divorce court and to jail. But God. His was a long road back. But God delivered him and set him free. Amen. If he could do it for him, he can do it for somebody else. But it takes a praying church. It takes a believing church. It takes a saying, I can cast that devil out in Jesus' name. It takes an understanding that God is able. I give you the statistics to show you that we are in a place for revival. I'm going to just let this sink in. Of the 200 plus million people, I'm not exactly sure what our population is right now. 10 million American adults identify as LGBTQTZ. I don't know where it stops. They identify as that. 10 million. Do you realize there is a great movement today of revival? That those that have followed a unique, perverted lifestyle coming back to God, if it can happen to one, it can happen to 10 million. But we need the church to realize freedom isn't about just so I can go to Big Mac and get me a Big Mac at McDonald's and make sure my Starbucks isn't open. Oh, Lord, what in the world are we going to do? Six feet social distancing. Wow, what is going to happen to us? I'll tell you what's going to happen. We're going to pray and seek the face of God. I submit to you today that America is not just having a crisis culturally. It is having the opportunity for revival again. Back in the 90s, my mom and dad lived in Lepanto, Arkansas. My dad pastored a church there for numbers of years. My dad was really, and he would admit this to you, he was never really called to be a pastor. And, uh, but he pastored two churches in, in, in his life, but he would do his best to help when he could, and so he was asked to pastor this church. And one of my brothers showed up one day and said, hey, Dad, how's it going? He said, well, the church is praying for revival, and I'm fasting to leave.
I wanted you to laugh because I want to get to the statement of the next part of the story. In his house, they lived in a uh, little white boarded house there in Lepanto, Arkansas. And uh, flat, delta, delta, delta bottoms, farmland. Mosquitoes big enough to carry you off. We, we, we were sit, we, we, he was telling me that one day he was sitting in his recliner as he was sitting there praying. And in that, in that house, there was about nine-foot ceilings. And he was praying and talking to the Lord, reading his Bible. He said, an angel appeared in the room. And he said, the angel stood from the floor to the ceiling. So he was big and warrior and angel. And I wish I could remember everything that that angel told my dad. But what I do remember is this. My dad said the angel knelt down and looked him eyeball to eyeball. And he said, the Lord's church is addicted to style. Addicted to style. Style never won one soul. It's not about style. We've come to the concept that the only way we can have church is in a certain setting and a certain place. You can have church on your job. Have a Holy Ghost revival right there with somebody praying them through to the victory. You can have church at school. You can have church wherever you go because you are the church. This is a building we come to grow, fellowship, and learn and get better in the kingdom of God. But you are the church. And where you go, it is the power of God that God wants to reach into your life. Stand with me, please. What do we do when our moral fabric is torn? What do we do when they say that the Judeo-Christian concept of this nation is no more what do we do what do we do when wickedness abounds why don't we do what first of all the bible says but what history records a church gets busy praying praying in the name of jesus in the name of Jesus, shut down the drug traffic in our town. In the name of Jesus, I plead the blood over crack cocaine addicts. They don't belong to your devil. Find a way to get to your prayer closet and begin to claim victory. Victory in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Satan, get your hands off these young people. They, they don't belong to you. Enough with backsliding. Enough of falling away. Enough with simply saying, I'm just going to choose to believe something else. In the name of Jesus, God, send revival. Send revival. If a new revelation takes you further from God than closer to God, chances are it's deception and not revival. But you see, revival always brings us closer to God. More holy, more righteous, more passionate to win the loss, more humble, more determined. Amen. Is there anybody in this building that here's your, here's your, here's my heart today? Hallelujah. I've, I know I've, I've, I've not come preaching usually. I've got a ton of scripture and I've got a lot of things uh, to, to preach in a point. But today I just want to remind you about what it takes to have freedom in this hour. It's righteousness. 
seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Hallelujah, Lord. We're here today to show your glory. I would that you would begin to pray right where you are. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com. Saturday.